Right. Welcome everyone to our first community engagement for the City of Kirkland's Active Transportation Plan update. Um, I'm gonna kind of stall a little bit um, to give people enough time to, to join us. Um, but while we're doing that, I wanted to um, introduce myself. My name is Kim Scrivener. I'm our transportation planner here with the City of Kirkland. Um, joining me is Christian. Go ahead and introduce yourself. Hey, I'm Christian Knight. I work in the Capital Improvement Program. So the program I work for actually implements a lot of the goals and uh, plans that uh, Kim works on. And when we get started, what I plan to do is to talk for, um, go through a set of slides to give a, an overview of this body of work and our, the timing and where we're at and what we've done so far. Um, as, as we go along, feel free to add your comments through the comment box. We will have everybody muted. What we'll do is um, I'll try to get through the presentation. I'll go through some resources we have on our webpage. And then, um, but I, I will stop and ask, answer some questions if I see them appropriate to what we're talking about. Um, but I'm hoping after um, a little while getting through some of that material, then we'll go through questions in the comment box um, for, uh, to facilitate a, a bit of discussion. So um, we will try to get to as many questions as we can, given the amount of time. Some questions we will be able to answer, some we may not have all of the information and we'll have to, to get back with folks or, or address those later. Um, so I'll do my best to, um, um, to have this be an opportunity for you to, to give us feedback and for us to um, let you know what we're doing. So I'm gonna get started and share my screen. Um, So we are talking about our active transportation plan. Essentially that is um, active transportation is generally a more inclusive term for people walking and bicycling and rolling um, using whatever form of ways people um, get around outside of motor vehicles. Um, so first I'm gonna give a little background, talk about where we're at in terms of our coordination and outreach talk a little bit about our policy direction and then our next steps. So we are updating our active transportation plan. The last time this was updated was in 2009. And then um, a lot of those goals were brought forward um, and slightly updated in our 2015 transportation master plan, which will also be updated next year. So when we talk about walking um just want you to know we're it's we're not just talking about sidewalks um we're really looking at a host of of ways that people can navigate our city and that includes looking at crossings looking at lighting and that's along corridors and also at crossings we look at access to transit um uh, the bottom picture on the left is really a, um, 
another example of how to facilitate crossings, that's called a pedestrian refuge island, um, where uh, as people cross the street, um, if there are a number of lanes, um, this is a one way to, to make people a little bit safer. Also looking at other low cost implementation that um, can help provide more space for people and to try to separate people as much as possible from motor vehicles. And also um, looking at ways that um, everybody can navigate the city um, regardless of their uh, various abilities. And then when we also when we talk about bicycling or rolling, um, we are looking at our bicycle network and I will share more details about that tonight. Um, but we also look at again, access to transit, how we can better count people both walking and biking, looking at signal technology and um, technology is, is both for walking and, and rolling, um, ways that we can manage our intersections. Um, so there's a host of things that we are looking at um, that we generally look at as a city and also um, ways that we can improve what we're doing in our policies through this active transportation plan update. Um, this is one of the reasons why it is so important in Kirkland um, that we take a look at this plan. 62% um, of our fatal and serious injury crashes are uh, walking and biking related. Um, in Kirkland, our city actually does um, have lower crash rates overall than our neighbors and other uh, cities of similar population in Washington state. But this particular trend is something that we want to um, minimize. We want to get down to zero fatal and serious injury crashes, and particularly for people walking and biking, because um, it is so much more dangerous if, if they're hit by a car. So I'm going to talk a little bit about our, our um, safe and active transportation outreach. So we started this work back in 2019. Um, in coordination with the Safer Routes to School Action Plans. Um, we kind of have brought an umbrella term, safe and active transportation. We did a lot of outreach initially um, in 2019 um, and also coordinated with the Sustainability Master Plan, our neighborhood plans and our neighborhood safety program. Um, but when the COVID-19 pandemic hit, we were, this plan, the active transportation plan work paused. Um, this is due to staff constraints um, and redirection due to COVID-19 and, um, and to make sure that, the, that we were able to move forward with the Safer Routes to School Action Plans at that time. And so that coordination was um, just in line um, with each other. And then um, the Safer Routes to School Action Plans went ahead and were um, passed through council and now we're getting back, it's 2021, and uh, we're, we're starting back up with this active transportation plan again. And so um, one thing that we did do from October, and luckily this was from um, uh, October 2019 to January 2020, um, we conducted an online um, survey that talked that asked questions about interest in walking and biking, um, general barriers, um, what could get people to walk or bike more, school access. And we received um, over 1,200 comments, um, and which was uh, 
um, a really good response rate for Kirkland. I think it even beat the, the dog park survey. So that was exciting for me. Um, and just a little bit more detail about what we heard from that survey. Um, a lot of people um, walk or bike for exercise and, um, and because it's fun and for the environment. Um, but we also asked questions about kind of what are your what impacts your decision to walk or bike and overwhelmingly one of the things that we heard was personal safety from other roadway users and this is for walking and even more so for people bicycling and so we really take that to heart in terms of um, looking at a, an active transportation plan that addresses people um, so that we can make a, a system that works for people of all ages and all abilities. That's the goal. And so, um, as I mentioned, that's the goal of our of policy direction is, is looking at design um, for all people and ages and all abilities. Um, and then we're also looking at how we connect people in terms of access to transit, access to our activity centers, um, access to the Cross Kirkland Corridor and to parks. And then we do have to prioritize. We uh, can't build everything all at once. And so we look at access, but then we are also looking at equity overlap with our Safer Routes to School Action Plan projects and also our crash rates. So in terms of the um, kind of some of the things that we've been looking at, um, uh, as I mentioned before, when we were looking at the images, and we also look at data collection, um, how do we, our signal technology, uh, we, we are looking at how we might design um, better facilities in terms of, I'd mentioned kind of how, maybe how we look at intersections or how we better separate people. We've been looking at our bike parking policy and how that relates to development. Um, low cost improvements and also maintenance is going to be a really big deal. Um, I think um, anytime we add new paint or um, new buffers, um, also maintaining our system, the existing system that we have. And then so that's something that we're having a lot of conversations about as part of this plan. So I want to talk a bit about our bicycle network. Um, I um, we have a currently adopted bicycle network um, that's in our transportation master plan. And what we did this time is conduct a bit of analysis to make sure that we have the network right. And then um, also to make sure that we can identify any additional links that we need to add or even remove. And so the first thing that we did was look at level of traffic stress. And so that looks at the presence and quality of the existing bike facilities we have, the number of lanes on the street, the speed limit, and the, and the um, volume. And then, um, and then an additional analysis was conducted that looked at um, how well is that kind of low level of stress connected. So if you want to get somewhere and 90% of that trip is, is really low stress, but 10% of that is pretty high stress, a lot of people might choose not to take that trip at all by biking or walking. And so that um, looking at the unbroken level of stress um, connections is, is something that we're looking at. 
And then we um, took a step to further prioritize that network um, by looking at crash rates and the essentially the prioritization measures that I mentioned in the previous slide. And then once we are looking at, and then once we have our, of our network and our kind of prioritized areas, that's when we apply the policy. And so we look at a particular project area and really consider that's when we start to roll up our sleeves and look at design and figure out the best approach to making our to being able to achieve that that all ages and abilities um, goal so and then as we look at our pedestrian network um now, the first thing, one of the focus areas is going to be looking at our, our sidewalk gaps and arterials and collectors. Um, generally, um, in a lot of places, walking on neighborhood roads is it's pretty low stress, although there, there are quite a few exceptions. Um, so one example of the kind of how we're reevaluating the goals and objectives in the plan is to take a look at what we've done so far and how we can improve that. So the 2009 Active Transportation Plan has a policy for completing sidewalks on one side of, um, of principal and minor arterials. And then what we've been doing is um, taking a look and conducting some analysis to see, well, what would, what would it look like if we um, completed both sides of arterials, of principal and minor arterials? And what would that look like if we added collectors to that? Um, and of course, like I said, we can't build everything all at once. And so we can further prioritize those by transit routes or school walk routes. And then in can addition- And we've got a, a, a question sort of on this topic. Sure. It is this, did you look at how traffic stress will change after traffic is diverted away from the new bike network you're creating? Well, can you repeat that question one more time? Of course. Did you look at how traffic stress will change after traffic is diverted away from the new bike network you are creating? Traffic after traffic is diverted away. Yeah. Well, so yeah. I um, the 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 um, level of traffic stress um is really was really a kind of a one time look. It, um, at, our, at our current network now. Um, and that helped us to identify um, parts of the network that we are, um, that we need to focus on for this plan update. The, so for instance, um, we have a new, we have a couple new buffered bike lanes. And so one of the, um, one of the things we asked our consultant to do is to add in um, the consideration of the quality of the bike facility. So, um, or through a neighborhood greenway um, that would reduce the volume. And so that would have shown up in our initial level of traffic stress. Um, this is something that we're not, um, we don't kind of repeatedly do, but it was a tool that we used to help us develop our, our bike network initially. So I, I hope that answers that question. <laughs> okay, and then we have one more, Kim. Sure. This is it. How does anticipated cost of maintenance for biking and walking facilities compare to maintenance costs for facilities of vehicular, of vehicular traffic? 
That's a really good question too. Um, I think our biggest, our, yeah, um, I don't have exact numbers, but I can provide an example. So um, we have Kirkland's first protected bike lanes on Juanita Drive. And now in order to maintain that facility, um, we don't have a, like a street cleaner that can fit into the bike lane. And so we have to send maintenance crews out to, um, with a, essentially leaf blowers to, um, to clean that street. And so, and I think there were having some pretty kind of heartfelt conversations about how do we, um, find ways to protect people biking where, um, that, or we can also maintain the, the facility. And so some of the ways that we've been doing that has been, um, to there, we have a, a number of projects in the, in the works right now that move the, the bike lane up to the sidewalk level. Um, and so that, you know, kind of puts it in the realm of how, however we maintain our sidewalks, we can still do maintain our streets and, um, and, you know, have our street cleaners come down the street. Um, also looking at other forms of separation that a street cleaner can go over. Um, and I, I do understand the question. There's, there are a lot of resources toward our maintaining our roads. Um, and that is a, a, you know, a system we inherit and we do have to maintain what we have. Um, but I can say that there is a, an emphasis and, a, and I think, I can't speak for our council, but it sounds like um, there's some interest in uh, making sure that as we move forward as a city, um, that we really now address um, how we can, um, you know, how we can get to a, a walking and biking network and that serves all people. So I hope I answered that one okay. But it's, yeah, it's a good question. Okay, so. Um, another way, so I mentioned when we look at our pedestrian networks, um, another way that we're looking to identify um, places, um, additional sidewalk gaps that we might prioritize is um, this uh, additional um, pedestrian network analysis. And so this example shows that um, essentially looks at how far a person can walk to this activity center being Juanita um, on, a, on a system where you either have um, a, a sidewalk or a side path or um, a crossing of an arterial, like a, a signal or a rapid flashing beacon. Um, and can you get there through those, through on a network um, and how far do you have to walk? Sometimes you have, might have to walk around. So in this example, the lighter colors show um, parcels that um, where people can, can access that activity center through a shorter distance. And then the darker color shows how um, maybe they can get to that activity center, but they might have to walk a little bit longer, um, either due to sheer just distance or having to take a more circuitous route. Um, but then you'll notice up here in the, 
um, in the corner, um, there are some parcels that don't have any, um, that don't have any color to them. And that means that um, those parcels would have to walk um, on places that don't have sidewalks. Um, we are including some neighborhood streets be, as being kind of okay to walk on, um, but we this is how we're kind of identifying additional local streets where we might prioritize um, additional, um, for instance, sidewalks, um, more than just looking at the arterials and collector gaps. And in addition, uh, we are looking at crossings. So our, our traffic engineers have already um, done a bunch of this work and have identified the um, top 25 crossings in Kirkland um, based on crash history, speed and volume. Um, and then, you know, what are our existing crossings look like? Um, and then we do have additional crossings from our Safer Us to School action plans. Um, I will note on this map, there are a couple that we have been funded. Um, the, uh, uh, I think this is 124th, um, that were funded as a, as a recent grant, and then a couple additional crossings um, on Central Way that have been funded as well through other grants. Um, we have... Um, yeah, so there are a number of projects in the works to address these already. And then um, we, through this analysis I just talked about, um, we may identify additional crossings. So I also wanna talk a little bit about our neighborhood greenways. So um, neighborhood, we have just completed or, or just about to complete our first two greenways in Kirkland. And these are a select network of residential streets for people of all ages and abilities to walk and ride. And so essentially these are local routes that have, and the idea is to have low speed and volumes that where walking and biking is prioritized. So most of our streets are prioritized for driving. And the, the idea for the neighborhood greenway is to really prioritize um, people walking and biking and that, um, and then driving is, um, can be, is less prioritized. And so um, how we do that is um, looking at our choosing places that have low speeds and volumes. Um, we use things like um, pavements, uh, excuse me, pavement markings on the ground and signs to indicate where people, um, where the route is so that it's easy to follow. We use traffic control measures, um, and there's a quite a variety of them um, to slow vehicles down or discourage driving on, on a greenway. And then also looking at crossings of arterials. So, and that's a big one. Um, oftentimes people will choose to ride or walk on a neighborhood road, but once you get to an arterial, you may have to walk quite a ways around to get to a signal or a safe crossing. And so um, that, you know, having a, the greenway, the greenways facilitate crossings of arterials is a big deal. And then, and we do have some um, additional funds for art. And so that's a really great way to bring the community and get the community involved in. We really feel like this is a great tool for achieving a network for all ages and abilities. And I um, think it's a really great option for Kirkland um, to really separate people uh, walking and rolling from um, motor vehicle traffic and speed. 
speeds. So, excuse me, that was my dog. Um, so when we look at how we implement this plan, um, as I mentioned before, we're looking at our prioritization framework. Again, we, we can't build everything all at once. We do have to prioritize. Um, and so, um, and I can talk a little bit about that more in detail. We are going to um, create some cost estimates for some of our high priority projects, and that helps us build out our CIP program. It helps us when we write grants. We're looking at other programs for um, you know, incremental increases, such as our striping program. There's a really good opportunity to say buffer a bike lane or add some pavement markings where we don't have them yet. Um, and then we can seek opportunities with other programs. So we have our neighborhood safety program. Um, there are some kind of dedicated funding sources for safer routes to school. We can look at um, the overlap with our vision zero plan, which is our, um, the goal for zero traffic fatalities and serious injuries. And we're putting together a, a, an action plan for that as well. Um, and then, and we seek grants and I, I shouldn't, we are, we spend quite a lot of time doing grant writing. Um, I have to thank Christian and others for that, um, who spent a lot of time with me and really looking at opportunities for funding. And then, um, and then through private development, Kirkland is very lucky to have, um, have the level of growth that we have. And so as we, as new development occurs, we have the opportunity to require, so for instance, a new home, um, there's a requirement to put in the sidewalk and that's how we get a lot of our, our sidewalks in, in our, on our local streets. Um, but even larger developments, um, we even have the opportunity to, um, even require the bike lane, for instance, or the right of way um, for that we can preserve for kind of the future protected lane, for instance. And so there are a lot of opportunities for private development in Kirkland that um, to help us build out our network. And that's kind of the beauty of lines on the map, if you will, um, regardless of how they're prioritized, um, that we can still you know, require that street frontage um, through that. So our next steps, um, we're conducting this public engagement um, throughout through December 1st. Um, and then we plan to bring back to the, we're gonna be going to our transportation commission um, next Wednesday. And then also in there, the beginning of December, um, they have a meeting, I think it's the second, first or second Wednesday in December um, for with a final draft plan and then plan to bring this plan back to council um, for engagement um, through th the winter, essentially. One other thing I just wanted to know, I'm gonna pull up the, our webpage and our um, bike network map and, and go over a little bit more in detail, but created this slide um, for another presentation for council a while ago, and I thought it was good to share with this group. Um, it just kind of goes to show a lot of investment that's happening already. Um, the, um, this is our Cross Kirkland Corridor. We have the Totem Lake Bridge um, that is um, slated to be completed about this time next year. Um, you will 
start to see some of the foundations um, put in and you'll start to see some of the uh, above ground work um, happening over um, perhaps by towards the end of this year. Um, we have a new um, uh, uh, 10 foot wide, 10 or 11 foot wide um, uh, sidewalk on, um, on I think that's Totem Lake Boulevard, um, leading to the Cross Kirkland Corridor. Um, and then south of the CKC on 124th Avenue, we have a project coming that will provide protected bike lanes. We're actually gonna have a, a new um, protected intersection. Um, the wanted to update everybody on the status of the um, the, the connection to the Cross Kirkland Corridor. So this particular section, the unfinished section, section B is um, King County owned. Um, they plan to complete this by about spring of next year. Um, the, we are working with them on a crossing of 132nd. Um, there's a, an, an additional crossing related to a development. And then we're also working on a, the crossing at the um, what we call the hairpin um, at Willows Road. And this leads to the new um, Willows Road connector, which is another 11 foot wide um, pathway. And that will lead down to the, um, essentially the rail line has kind of takes two tracks in this area. And so um, what'll happen is that um, instead of people going north on this track, um, they'll come down on the Willows Road connector and that'll connect to um, Redmond's section. It's called the, the Redmond Central Connector. Um, and that will be completed in um, 2024. And so um, pretty exciting stuff. Um, really looking forward to people being able to bike all the way out to the winery and the concerts out there. So thought that was um, something that this group might like to see just kind of an example of all of the, the non-motorized work that's happening in Totem Lake. Um, the the bottom here is the the top half of our first greenway and then um uh h is a as a our next greenway that we're we're taking a look at so um i do plan to um, go to our web page just real quickly um so if you want more information um we have our our um a lot more on our web page um, you can find out um, about more opportunities for engagement. Also happy to come to any, to join any group um, to come out and talk to more people. Um, also wanted to point out our the story map. Um, and um, so if you go to the, um, the bottom of the sidebar and click on the story map link, um, I'd like to thank our, our intern, Sierra Olson, who is, is listening and taking notes right now, who put this together for us. Um, and, um, and so this gives you more information, um, pretty much most of the information that I just presented. And so just in a little bit nicer, nicer format than, than putting up the, the slides. <laughs> um, but I do want to point out the, um, um, and I'm going through it kind of fast because I just talked through most of that information, but I do want to point out this, um, um, we, we did create an interactive um, web map for our bike network, which I will go through. I'll pause for a second to answer any questions, and then I can talk about that, but I wanted to point that out. 
and just point out the, um, you know, if you, if you kind of want to look at this, uh, the information that I presented today um, in a little bit more detail or review it, um, just wanted to point out that our webpage and the story map and then um, the bike network, um, which I can go through. Also wanted to point out also our um, safer routes to school action plans. I mentioned this before. Um, there's so much overlap um, with the school walk routes. Um, and so if you wanna see a map of the recommended projects and um, just recommend coming to our, you know, kirklandwa.gov, you know, you can search for active transportation or safer routes to school and, and find a lot more information about that. Um, and then lastly, if you're interested in kind of knowing more about projects that we have, um, you can also always go to our um, CAP, stands for Capital Improvement Program. Um, we have projects there's mapped there as well. And so um, I'm going to pause um, and see if there are any questions and then, um, and then I'll um, go through our, kind of share our, our um, bike network in a little bit more detail. We actually have a bounty of questions now, Kim. So I'll ask, I'll ask a series of them. This one is pretty interesting. To what extent is the plan being prepared with a look to racial equity? Also, are 10 minute neighborhoods still a thing? Yes, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, well, I'll start with the 10 minute neighborhood. The 10 minute neighborhoods are still a thing. Um, the, we are looking at that similar to the, um, the, um, looking at the, <clears throat> at the, essentially the pedestrian analysis to activity centers It pretty much overlaps our 10 minute neighborhoods I should have mentioned that. Um, so thank you for mentioning that. And then when we talk about equity, um, yes, we are prioritizing um, and taking a look at in our prioritization framework at, um, at areas of the city where we have higher concentrations of people of color, people with low income. But I will say that active transportation in and of itself is equity, it does address equity in that there are many people that don't have a choice to walk or bike. They need to be able to do that safely. And oftentimes that is also how they get to transit. And so having us prioritize access to transit does address, um, we there was an interesting conversation about this recently, um, Cascade, um, Bicycle Club and Washington Bikes had a conference recently, and um, this was a pretty big topic of conversation. And I was um, heard other cities talk about this too. That um, really, um, it's that's another reason why this is so important. Is that there because for some people they just don't have a choice to do it, and so that's kind of the one of the reasons why we're really looking at. Uh, making sure that we're looking at connected networks um, to transit and to activity centers um, so that people can get to where they need to go safely. Great. Okay. I've got another question for you. This one's another interesting one. Will the plan identify our bicycle and pedestrian system vision? 
In other words, where do we aspire to build protected bicycle facilities and separated pathways, et cetera? Which are our top priority routes? And will that type of information be available for the community to comment on? Yes, well, that is a good segue. And I can stop here and, and ask more, answer more questions. Um, but we did provide this, um, you can go online right now and look a little bit closer at our existing bike network and the proposed bike network and how they've been prioritized. Um, as we start to build out the draft plan, um, we were not necessarily um, um, saying right now which areas um, have a protected bike lane or which will be a neighborhood greenway at this point. But we do, um, we will have some idea of that when we release the draft plan for, for comment, for public comment. Um, the one thing I, I do wanna talk about is, um, so as, as that draft plan comes out, there are a couple of things. We do have some projects in the works. So for instance, we have our Holmes Point study. And so the plan will point to the recommendations from that study. Um, the same thing with, um, um, oh shoot, Christian, I keep wanting to call it Goodwill Hill. <laughs> um, 131st. First and 90th. And 90th, yep. Um, so we have been looking at this too. Um, we have kind of a, this one's a pretty challenging one, but also a very, very important connection. Um, super important to connect from Finn Hill. Um, but if you've taken this route, you know that it's kind of, you have a hill and then a ravine on one side. So it's, um, so we're looking at a, at a two, a protected two-way path on the, on the inside, on the hill side of that street. Um, and there's kind of a, there's a short-term and a longer-term option. Um, so if we end up widening that road, then we would make that even better. Um, and so the plan will point to that. Um, 100th Avenue, we do have um, either protected or plans for protected or buffered bike lanes um, as part of that project. Um, the, as I mentioned before, the 124th will have protected bike lanes. Um, we have a new neighborhood greenway project that we're just starting some outreach with right now and really want to thank the um, neighborhood association from norkirk um, that's kind of helped we've we've been talking with the community a little bit so far about some of the routing in this neighborhood and we'll do the same with the other neighborhoods this touch um, and so we can definitively say that this is going to be a greenway um, there are a couple other routes that um, so for instance um, west of market um, these would be, and um, we did kind of look at, well, you know, how do we find an all ages and abilities route that's all an alternative to market? Um, so this is kind of an idea where you, um, we could um, connect people straight to the boardwalk. Oh, please don't freeze on me. Um, where people can connect to the boardwalk, um, recognize this intersection. Um, it, uh, um, um, essentially this is 98th and 116th and Winita Drive. Um, this corner is really constrained. And so this is kind of one of those pieces where should this property develop? So this, there's this really tight corner there and we're, we've kind of squeezed as much right of way out of that as possible. 
Um, but should that property develop, that's where we can kind of take more of that right of way and really build out some protection there. Um, you know, thought about this is kind of another one that's kind of new to this plan and really interested to hear folks thoughts about kind of connecting up um, as a, you know, so some of these are, would be definitely more greenways. Um, there are a number of greenways that were identified in the currently adopted plan and we have done some analysis about whether or not they fit a greenway criteria in terms of the, the speed and the volume. Um, the, in some cases, um, slope is, is a criteria for greenways that is pretty big, big challenge that um, we're not always going to make them as flat as everybody would like. It's just the way it is in Kirkland. Um, and then I'm sure, um, and then we're, we're looking at um, doing a, a, our study of, of Lake Washington Boulevard. There's also another project, and this is by far not close to our full project. I did, these are just some examples of projects I wanted to show you. Um, and then we do also have another project. It's a transit um, related project um, on 108th and that will add um, protected bike lanes. So there will be some places where um, we'll be able to definitively say our goal is our protection by our protected bike lane here. There are other, um, another one I guess is a, um, you might share is the access to the 85th station. Um, so the plan and um, as the 85th station gets built, um, the funding agreements are still not are still being signed, but the goal and the plan is to have a a um, separated protected bike path on the south side of 85th. Um, there are, and so there will be a number of places. I'm I'm sorry, I'm repeating myself. Where we'll be able to say um, we're, we want protection here, and we're still taking a look at that. There might be other corridors where we're going to say, um, we're gonna need to, to, um, to uh, study that further. And um, so seventh is one of them. Um, we, um, I think for as part of the 85th station area plan, we're looking at um, kind of protected facilities. Um, the challenge with seventh is that the very same implementation that we've added to make pedestrians safe and to lower speeds, such as the, the, the roundabouts and the, the curb bulbouts are, is, um, is, is, is the same, is the same that challenge that makes it difficult to add in a protected bike lane um, because of the, for instance, the bulbouts, would we take the bulbouts out? Um, there are, I have seen some really good examples um, of how that might work. Um, I think the idea is perhaps a um, bike lane on the on the sidewalk level or maybe a two-way cycle path on one side of the street. Um, that one's gonna be really probably pretty expensive. And so we might have to talk about seventh as being a, a corridor that we might study further um, with the goal of more protection there. Um, so I hope that gives enough detail. I don't wanna keep belaboring this topic, um, but we will have that level of detail. And so 
Some places will have kind of definitive recommendations. Some places we're going to point to existing projects and the recommendations that come out of those projects and studies. And then some places we're going to have to identify that it's going to need further study. Great. Uh, Kim, we've got another question that kind of uh, is applicable to just about everything that you've talked about, I think. Yeah. Uh, and that question is this, are these priority projects and policies going to, going to be put into form-based coding since the city seems to be switching, uh, especially in the 85th corridor? This would give these active transportation policies more teeth they would not be recommended or left to design review or developers, but actually in code. I'm not exactly sure how to answer that because I, and I should know more about form-based codes, but I, frankly, I don't. So um, we might, I might have to get back with you. Um, I'm sorry, but whoever answered, asked that question, feel free to send me an email and I can, I can ask some questions and follow up. Okay, let's try a few others. Here's the, a couple of folks had essentially the same question. It was about um, the street cleaners, the, uh, the ones that are small enough for bike lanes. Mm -hmm. And basically the question is, uh, doesn't the city have one or two and, uh, if it doesn't, could it share with other cities like Redmond? I I heard that, I did hear that Kirkland has one, um, and, but I, I think that it's not the, it doesn't, I think it, my understanding is that it, um, it's not the most effective. Um, also, um, part of the, I think the scheduling of um, the maintenance crew to kind of, you know, take it out and then go to our, you know, one protected bike lane that we currently have, um, they just end up sending a person out with a leaf blower because it's more efficient. Um, as we build out more of our um, protected bike lane system, um, we're going to have to address that either trade in the one we have and get a better one or find ways of protecting people that are cleaning our bike lanes um, using our existing street cleaners. Um, so yeah, we, we do have one. It hasn't been um, as, as useful as we had hoped and um, we will be kind of tackling that. <laughs> and then we had two more questions. Yeah. specific to the component of the presentation about safety. Uh, one was about asking if we could just lower uh, city speed limits throughout the city to 15 to 20 miles per hour or so, mm -hmm. which is actually consistent with the speeds of e-bikes. And that would allow them to slip in with traffic at similar or identical speeds. The other one was uh, about bicycle lanes specifically and whether we would um, whether we would move to a more protective measure of protecting bike lanes rather than using striping to protect them. Yeah. So speeds, <clears throat> um, as I mentioned before, one of the things that we have um, are, are doing is um, updating our or creating our Vision Zero Action Plan. It's kind of a parallel process to the active transportation plan. 
Um, Kirkland is a Vision Zero city. We already have a policy in our transportation master plan um, for the goal of, of zero traffic fatalities and serious injuries. As part of this action plan, um, one of the strategies is to look at speeds. And um, again, I cannot speak for council, but I have heard some interest in um, looking at speeds um, citywide. And so that'll be one of the proposed initiatives in, in that plan that council will look at and, and deliberate. Um, and there, um, I think there's interest as well from my leadership to that that's a possibility where um, there are different ways that we can kind of systematically look at our at our at our whole system and and reevaluate how we're we're setting our speeds, um, and it's it's not just about speed limit setting either. It's about um, um, essentially the environment that the that we have, and so if a lane, for instance, if you if you're driving and you have a very wide lane. Um, you people tend to just feel like they can drive faster. And so one of the things that we've allowed and we've looked at in a lot of places when we build projects um, and we is that we are um, kind of even just narrowing lanes helps to slow speeds. And that um, just gives a perception of people that they just don't have that that level of room. It's a it's a really good strategy. Um, there are some places in Kirkland where um, we have very narrow streets and we get, sometimes we get a lot of complaints. Well, I, I just, I have, you have these roundabouts and it's every, everything's so narrow and, and that's actually intentional because it's kind of a, kind of a skinny streets policy where um, the, you have to go slow and you have to look around because the environment's constrained and that's on purpose and that's to slow people down and to get them to pay more attention to each other. Um, that has posed a challenge to building out, and that's kind of a policy before we started thinking about protected lanes. Um, if we were downtown Spokane and, and Tacoma, you know, if you're in these places, you see all those really, really wide spaces and there's so much opportunity. Every time I visit my parents, I think, gosh, if there's so much room here, there's for protected lanes. Um, and so for Kirkland, um, yeah, we are we are definitely looking at opportunities to protect people as much as possible. Um, there are places that are make it a challenge where it's constrained, and we're trying to be really creative about that. Um, but yeah, so narrowing lanes, looking at speed limit policy, and definitely looking at um, being creative about how we separate people as much as possible. Sorry, that's kind of the big goals. Okay, now are you ready for some more specific questions? Sure. Okay, here's one. How are you planning on making streets safer for bikers and walkers, specifically 132nd Street and 124th Avenue? All right, let's see. This is always nice to have a map. All right, 132nd Street and 124th. Avenue, that's this guy right here, right? 
Am I in the right spot? Let's see. I think so. Come on, street labels. You can do it. Yeah. Yep, yeah. So, um, yeah, we have um, right now, um, this is one of the, I didn't map it. It's part of these existing projects I should have. And we're looking at a, a corridor study of 128th Street right now. Um, and um, actually um, planning on having another um, kind of community meeting like this as part of that project, if anyone's interested. Um, well, I have, we have a webpage devoted to that. You could check that out or email me. I can let you know when we have that. But essentially, we're looking at how to make 128th more. I'll get to this, your question here in a second. We're looking at a, how to make 128th a little bit more um, walk and bike friendly in terms of and facilitating transit connections between the 405 freeway station, the Kingsgate Park and Ride, the Totem Lake Transit Center. But in this whole project, we're looking at all of these connections um, uh, 120th Avenue, 124th Avenue. Um, and there are a couple opportunities um, for additional street connections through here. So one of the proposals is to improve the kind of the biking um, from uh, 120th and then um, taking 130th lane and then up 122nd place. Um, there's a new um, potential street connection um, in this area, and that's kind of the longer term plan um, for this north-south. We really recognize that this area is a big challenge to, to get down into Totem, into the village um, from, from, from all the neighborhoods north of Northeast uh, 132nd Street. 124th Avenue um, likely might become more of a greenway um kind of implementation um and then we're hoping to have more kind of dedicated dedicated lanes um, through this kind of this new street extension um so more of a greenway type implementation on 124th avenue will probably be more of an interim um but happy to Happy to hear anybody's comments on that too, both either as part of the active transportation plan or the 128th Avenue corridor study. Um, but yeah, we are taking a really close look at that area. Okay, Kim, now we've got another couple of questions that have to do with how we measure safety or what those measurements show. I'll ask um, Leo's first. Has Kirkland considered that the number of accidents with bikes and PEDs may not be the greatest metric until there is a good amount of infrastructure for those modes. Interstate 405 probably has zero bike accidents a year, but that's because it's so unsafe that no one rides on it. Yeah. Um, we, so we do look at crash rates and we do look at patterns um, and that's gonna be part of our, our Vision Zero action plan. Um, but one of the, the other pieces of information from that plan is going to be um, um, looking at, at indicators. So it's not just about, um, um, you know, have there been crashes there before? <laughs> um, we want to we want to see zero crashes, right? But we still want to look at safety. And so, for instance. Um, 
we've noticed that there are higher rates of crashes when it comes to um, uh, where there are no traffic control devices or where you have a curve and a slope. And so one of the, and this might get into, sorry, this is a little slow. Um, um, where am I? Here we go. There are a couple places in downtown, um, particularly around State Street and around on a, um, on, and on Sixth Street, where we have a um, a curve and a slope, and we don't have a we don't have a huge history of crash rates here. Um, State Street, we kind of do, but um, I would like to use um, that our Vision Zero plan and those indicators as a reason to recommend um, protected bike facilities around, at least if we can't get them along, um, you know, the whole corridor, at least around this curve and slope. And so that's one example, well, two examples, um, same type of example, where we would use that indicator of, um, for safety, essentially crash rates, but um, not ag actual, crashes, but, you know, where we see the patterns and see how we can take mitigation measures to prevent them. Okay. And the next question sort of on that topic, it, and it also relates back to what you're saying about the narrowing of streets and just the context, how context uh, relates to traffic speeds is this, wouldn't slowing speeds down make traffic throughout the city unmanageable? Also, narrowing streets would seem to put bikes and pedestrians at risk. Do statistics not show that? Um, so I'm gonna mention the, the second one first. So narrowing streets, um, when I mention um, uh, one strategy for speeds is to narrow lanes, um, but we're, Oftentimes we have our right of way is what it is, you know, it's generally curb to curb unless we um, unless we acquire more right of way. Um, and but when we narrow a lane that will often give us more space in that same right of way for for the bicyclist. Um, is generally kind of that's one way that we can buffer um, this or kind of rechannel a road. Um, to kind of narrow that lane, that'll help to slow the speed and provide more space for, for the bike facility. So did I answer the first part of that question in a kind of roundabout way? What was the first part of that? Oh, speeds. Um, the, we, um, if and likely when we look at our kind of citywide speed policy, um, we'll, we'll see. Um, we do want to keep people moving. Um, Kirkland, we have a lot of um, people that, and less so during COVID, but people that cut through the city to get to north and south, particularly if there's an event on 405. Um, any of you may have experienced this where um, there's a crash on 405, people divert to through, through Kirkland to get up to Kenmore and Bothell um, or down to Bellevue. And, um, you know, there is a goal to keep traffic moving, but, um, you know, one thing that we are, have been focused on too are um, 
is how to get our buses moving too, frankly. So for instance, on 108th, um, this project I mentioned is um, actually a northbound um, transit queue jump. And so that, um, you know, that gives us a protected bike lane. It also helps the bus um, jump the queue. And um, hopefully we can encourage more people to walk and bike and take transit. And, um, you know, essentially, hopefully leaving, alleviating some of the congestion. Um, but um, I don't have a, a lot of data about how slowing speeds are actually going to slow people down that much. Um, we do want to kind of maintain our signal time. There, there are a lot of things that, that go, a lot of factors that go into um, making sure that our streets run efficiently. Um, a lot of that has to do with signal timing and technology. And so um, there are kind of a number of factors that we look at. Not sure I satisfactor, satisfactorily answered your question, but um, hope it did. Okay, so we've got another question here. What impact do these traffic control measures have on emergency response? The, um, we work with our fire department um, pretty closely with our, um, for any type of traffic control measures. Um, most of the time, if it's a, if it's a roundabout or, um, you know, we, or other type of measure, um, we make sure that they can be able to get around it or drive over it. And so um, that is a very good question. And um, we consider emergency response very important. Um, and to try to make sure that any, any implementation that we do um, is not going to impact emergency response. And I do have a, a bit of a time check. So this meeting um, is supposed to end at seven. It sounds like there's a lot of interest. I'm still willing to hang out. Um, I know we have other staff supporting us. I wanna respect their time too, um, but maybe I can go another 10 minutes, maybe if everybody wants to stick around or Christian, are you okay with that? Yeah, of course. Okay. So a few more questions here, Kim. Okay. Uh, here's one about crossings. Can we build raised and brightly painted crossings to actively calm traffic? Current crossings are way too easy to speed through. Sure. Um, we do have um, our first raised crossing um, coming in. Shoot, am I going the wrong direction? No. Um, on um, Lake Street and in Kirkland Avenue. Um, this will be a, uh, a raised intersection, um, and yeah, that is an option. Um, they're 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 not. Let's say they're not. Um, they're they're. It would be a, a higher cost implementation for crossing, um, and so this will be our first one. It's one of our highest pedestrian. Um, crossings in Kirkland. Um, but as we move forward as a city, I think and I think there's definitely an opportunity to do more of that. Um, they have a lot of opportunity for placemaking. Council just talked about this the other at their last council meeting. 
not last night, but the one before that, where, um, you know, there was a lot of interest in the kind of the, even the kind of the, the pavers looking nice. And um, yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of interest in this one. And the Greenway has also implemented a, a raised crossing. It's definitely not as, as busy of an intersection as what we'll see at Lake Street and Kirkland Avenue. Um, but also, Kim, aren't we, aren't we sort of moving toward implementing more uh, sidewalk level bicycle lanes as well, kind of on this similar theme there? Yes, yep, um, absolutely. That's really where um, we find that we get um, a lot of our, bang for the buck, if you will, we have, um, they're protected. Um, a lot of times, a lot of places where we have these um, protected bike lanes up at the sidewalk level, we are um, we're able to provide that separation for motor vehicles. A lot of these are on transit routes. And so it, it avoids the leapfrogging of buses. Um, and so that is definitely a strategy we're looking at. I will note um, also there's a new, um, kind of sidewalk level bike lane in, in Totem Lake Village on 120th. Um, it's a little bit, it's a little bit harder to notice. Um, we have been working with a developer to make that a little bit more pronounced so that it's noticeable for both pedestrians and bicyclists. So um, check that one out. So that's one example of, um, you know, having that kind of protected bike lane through development. And then also, um, yeah, we're looking at opportunities for that with, um, uh, several of our kind of bigger projects, absolutely. Okay, Kim. So I'm I'm just sort of scrolling through all the questions, and I think that we've answered um, pretty much all of them, either live or in a private chat. But uh, for you folks out there, if we weren't able to answer your question in one form or the other, would you mind just typing it in again to bring it sort of to the top of the stack here? <laughs> And also while that's happening, um, I just want to reiterate, I'm happy to have side conversations with folks. Feel free to email me. My email address is on the Active Transportation Plan webpage. Um, there's the comment form box. Um, in hindsight, we have this comment form box, um, but it doesn't have a, um, a place to put your email. So if you use this and if you want a response, you can just put your email right in the box with your comment. Um, but feel free to use that too if you want an answer. I noticed I, we had a, um, quite a lot of comments come through that, um, but a lot of people answer questions and I can't um, answer them back because I don't know who sent them. So. Okay, so we do have a couple more that um, okay. just became visible to me for whatever reason. Uh, one is about the green loop. Is that going to be included in the active transportation plan? The green loop. The green loop, uh, the, the planned, route that goes around Thin Hill and I think North Juanita. Hmm. It's a it's a series of like trails and corridors that would need to be linked together. It would be a it would represent a pretty significant effort, but it's been um, it's been at least envisioned for a long time now. Oh I guess I um Christian, we'll, we'll talk about that. Yeah, um, 
we'll definitely make sure to to um, include that for sure. I apologize, folks. It's kind of hard to know all of the stuff yeah. that's going on in the city. There's a There's lot. A of... lot of stuff. <laughs> Here's another question, Kim. One uh, twentieth is really a challenge since they insisted on putting bikes on sidewalks instead of putting in bike lanes in the Totem Lake Village. I guess that's more of a comment, um, but maybe we maybe that's the beginning of a short discussion point for us. So yes, putting bikes on the sidewalks on 120th instead of bike lanes in Totem Lake Village. Oh yeah. So if you've ever gone, if you've had a chance to drive through 120th um, in the village, it is, it is very constrained. Um, <clears throat> we are, um, and you're absolutely right. Those, it is, um, how do I say, it? we are taking a lesson learned from that development. <laughs> um, there are kind of uh, some other developments happening in the, in the area. And as our kind of planning team works with those developers, um, we're trying to take a lesson learned that that was probably a little bit too narrow. Um, so if we're gonna do that again, um, we're likely gonna require a kind of wider, wider facilities and, and greater separation between the bike lane and the pedestrians. Um, and then, yeah, I, with 120th, um, the, that you know the idea was to try to separate and to provide a, the the separated bike lane. So the intention was good. Um, definitely learning from the implementation. It's just a it's a pretty constrained area. Um, one of the things we've talked about of doing a little bit of engagement um, with the community, both to let everybody know that it's there, but also to just be cautious when you go there. Um, you know, to bike at a pedestrian speed. <laughs> um, you know, be cautious of everybody around you, and that's. And that's for everybody using being in a constrained environment. Um, it kind of gets back to that kind of skinny streets policy I was talking about earlier, where you know you just to go slow and watch out for people and make sure everybody's safe. Um, but yeah, we're trying to work with our planning department as if we do that again, um, we'll want to require more more separation between bikes and the pedestrians. Yeah, I'll say that. Um... Personally, I actually really enjoy riding my bicycle through there, but I, I, I'm fairly comfortable riding with traffic. And I know that, you know, certainly not all bicycle riders are, um, but I think it's a, kind of a neat environment. Yeah. Um, here's another question, Kim. Since intersections are the most dangerous place for pedestrians and cyclists, what in the active transportation plan will be addressing this? Pedestrian signal advance, uh, bike box lead advance, no right on red for busy intersections. Those are all possibilities. Yeah, those are all possibilities. And so as we um, go through um, all of the like the specific um, um, actions um, and objectives, um, those are definitely uh, completing completing bike lanes to the intersection for one. Um, the, we have a number of places in the city where the bike lane ends before the intersection, ensuring that future projects address, make sure that doesn't happen again, um, facilitating the, the 
the connection through the intersection and in some places maybe even you know putting green paint or the actual lane through um the bike boxes um yes the we did kind of learn a little bit about the bike box at um Winita Drive or yeah um in 98th and Winita um actually switched the bike box around um we found that the um you know the the goal for the bike box was to um facilitate left turns onto Anita but you kind of have to scooch yourself or you get in the bike lane and you kind of have to scooch yourself over or you have to be brave enough to get over into the left lane and so we rearranged that um a little bit and so the bike box is now on 116th you go through and you wait in the bike box so you can go straight um so looking at that we are looking at um, leading leading pedestrian interval options and signaling um definitely working with our um a couple projects already on that um we've been talking with our our uh, engineers about some of those so those are all um yeah those are all things that we are looking at okay and then we have a couple questions about sidewalks uh, one is can we put a sidewalk at the edge of these super wide streets up on thin hill essentially taking from the street raise up a sidewalk and bike lane and redo the surface water management and uh, the sort of part b of that question is does kirkland require sidewalks on both sides of the road couldn't we get greater benefit to have sidewalk bike lanes on at least one side of the road? The goal is for one side. Um, and then, you know, obviously the other side is a, is, um, you know, is a, is something to aspire to, um, but, you know, completing at least one side so for instance, um, one of the things we've looked at is our, in our Safe Routes to School plan and we're looking at in this plan is, um, you know, as we look at walk routes, um, you know, if you have to cross the street <laughs> constantly to, to maintain, to stay on a, on a sidewalk the whole time, that's, that kind of defeats the goal. Um, and I'm not sure exactly which streets that were you're mentioning um it kind of depends if we're talking about an arterial or a collector um the yeah um and they're curbing like kind of building out and up uh, a sidewalk on its own without um it being accompanied by maybe a development or a um is can be a little challenge in some places and it can be kind of expensive um so there are a lot of places in Finn hill where we use the extruded curbs to um designate the pedestrian walkway um but that's kind of an interim treatment i think eventually the goal um is for you know better quality facilities where we can have them um yeah, not sure if I answered that the best way, but um, feel free to follow up with me on specific areas if anybody has any more questions on specific roads. Em, I think that's pretty much all the questions. Great. Well, I love that there is so much interest from the community about this. Um, I, like I said, I got a, a lot of comments for through, through, through the comment form and, um, you know, I. 
sounds like there's a, you know, people really want to get out and walk and bike more. And it's, it makes our community healthier. Um, it gets people out of their cars, which has so many other benefits uh, to our environment. Um, it's, uh, we're, uh, talked with a council member earlier this week about how it, um, you know, transportation is really part of our, um, a really key component of our sustainability action plan. So I um, really appreciate everybody taking the time this evening to come out and, and talk with us and um, ask questions and happy to engage. Um, let me know if there are other groups you want to talk to. And if you want to, like I said, reach out to me directly if you want. Um, thanks everybody so much for all of your time tonight. And Christian and, and Franz um, Lumbar also is our, um, he might have, sorry, might have wanted to stay anonymous, but um, providing our uh, tech support tonight and um, Christian and also Sierra Olson, our staff for helping out too. So, all right. Thanks everybody so much. Have a really nice night. Bye.